right, if you will turn with me to the book of Galatians, chapter 6 and verse 11. Galatians, chapter 6 and verse 11. Paul shares in this uh, scripture, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. As a matter of fact, in the region of Galatia, in a town called Lystra, Paul had been stoned and left for dead because of the name of Christ, because he was preaching the gospel. The scars upon his back from the times he experienced those beatings were to him a badge of honor because it reminded both him and those who would ever see these scars that he belonged to Jesus Christ. He, just as Christ had suffered, would suffer for the sake of the gospel. Uh, I want you to know something. The gospel is the most important thing. The cross of Christ is the most important thing in this life. Uh, we need to understand and glory in the cross of Christ because that's what saves us, first of all. But it also releases God's power in us to help us become more like Christ. All of our future that is before us when Jesus returns comes to us through the power of the cross. All of our effectiveness as God's people comes to us through the power of the cross. If there's anything good, if there's anything praiseworthy in us, there's one reason and one reason alone for it. And that is the cross of Jesus Christ. And so... Paul is summing up this book of Galatians with a message about the cross. And he says, see what large letters I've written in my hand. Paul takes the pen from his amanuensis or secretary. Uh, they would sometimes use uh, a person to write on their behalf as they dictated. Um, he takes the pen and he begins to write in large letters. Or if you were doing it today in bold print with an underline underneath it. And he says, listen, if you don't remember anything else that I've said to you, you remember what I'm saying to you now. There's nothing more important than the cross of Christ. And so uh, we need to put our trust in Christ for salvation. We need to put our trust in, in, in Christ uh, and his cross for the power that it releases in and through our lives and for the hope that it brings us. The time of my message is the importance of the cross, the importance of the cross. Look at verse 11 with me of, of Galatians 6. Look at what large letters I use as I write to you in my own handwriting. Those who want to make a good impression in the flesh are the ones who would compel you to be circumcised, but only to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even the circumcised don't keep the law themselves. However, they want you to be circumcised in order to boast about your flesh. But as for me, I will never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The world has been crucified to me through the cross and I to the world. For both circumcision and uncircumcision mean nothing. What matters instead is a new creation. May peace come to all those who follow this standard. And mercy to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble because I bear on my body scars for the cause of Jesus. Brothers, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen.
the importance of the cross. Since the cross is important, we need to do several things. First of all, we need to embrace its offense. We need to embrace its offense. He says these Judaizers, these people that want you to be circumcised, and they're saying you've got to be circumcised to be saved, there's, there's one reason they want to do this. They want to avoid persecution. They want to be politically correct in the Jewish community. They don't want to receive any heat for naming the name of Christ. He said, but look, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. The cross is worth suffering for. The cross is worth the persecution that comes. There's nothing more important than the cross of Christ. I want to tell you something. If Jesus Christ hadn't died on the cross, every one of us would split hell wide open. Embrace the offense of the cross. That's a message we need to hear today, isn't it, with all of our political correctness. I want to tell you something. It may not be popular on ABC or NBC or CBS to name the name of Christ and to say there's one way to salvation, but there is one way to salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ, through the cross of Jesus Christ. On the cross, he paid for my sin. On the cross, he took the wrath of God and satisfied the justice of God so that we could go free. Embrace the cross. I love that scripture in Hebrews that says, the sacrifices the Jews offered on the Day of Atonement were burned outside the camp. He said, let us go to our Savior who was crucified outside the camp and let us bear his disgrace. I want to tell you something. There's nothing more privileged, nothing, no greater honor than to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. And so if somebody makes fun of you because you name the name of Christ, you consider it a blessing. Jesus said this, Rejoice, be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets are before you. I want you to know there is a reward for those who suffer for Christ. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, if you suffer for the name of Christ, you'll receive a great reward. Uh, dance a jig, get all excited, uh, jump up and down. Why? Because your reward is great. Not You don't just have a reward, you have a great reward in heaven. I love what Philippians says about our great Savior. It says, uh, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross despising the shame Jesus saw beyond the cross to the reward and the Bible says because of what Jesus has done for us he has been given a name that is above every other name that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of God the Father God rewards his people so embrace the cross's offense be willing to speak openly about the cross, whether it's popular or not, whether people misunderstand or not. I remember a few years ago, I was on the phone with a telemarketer, <laughs> and uh, she she was talking to me about whatever it was she was selling, and and I said I said well I said thank you I said I'm not interested, but let me let me just take a few moments and talk with you about something that's made a difference in my life, and and so I began to talk to her about sin. And she, she became very irritated, very offended. And she began to say, why in the world would you talk to me about this? Why in the world would you bring this up and ask me about this? 
And she was angry with me. And I said, it's because knowing our need helps us know how we can find the answer for that need in Jesus Christ. And she, she was unwilling to listen to me, and we hung up the phone. And as far as I know, she still hadn't trusted Christ. But listen, that's okay. I, I remember I saw um, <clears throat> Kirk Cameron one time witnessing out on the street, and he had a group of people around him as he was witnessing. And I saw this man to the side of him, and he was kind of going like this, acting all angry and like he was, he was about to uh, grab a hold of him and beat the living tar out of him. That's the way he looked. Well, that very man, later on in their second season, you know, they would go and they videotape these witnessing sessions. Their sec second season, this very man who was angry had given his heart to Christ. And guess what he was doing? He was on the street telling people about Jesus Christ. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Speak the gospel, whether it's popular or not. Most people that I've found are not, are not rude to you here in America. Some are, but that's okay. Embrace the offense of the cross. It's that important. So the importance of the cross, since it's important, we need to embrace its offense. Secondly, we need to declare its glory. We need to declare its glory. Verse 14, he says, But as for me, I will never boast. And that, that word for boast in Greek, it's hard to bring one word across to cover all that it means but it has the idea of glory in revel in uh, be excited in it would have been great yesterday if the University of Tennessee had put a whooping on Georgia and and uh, those of you who care about football would have been excited you'd have been shouting maybe or, or jumping up and down and reveling in the win instead we were downcast by the loss right uh but the idea that the glory in the cross, revel in the cross, if there's anything that ought to get us excited, if there's anything we ought to glory in, we ought to glory in the cross. But this statement is kind of shocking to the, to the people that Paul is speaking to. It's hard to really capture it because we associate the cross with something good. But back then they didn't. Matter of fact, a, a Roman citizen would not even mention the cross in public because it was considered to be crude and offensive um, you can hear these Christians go talking about the cross in the street and going around telling people about the cross and uh, and so it was it was offensive it was it was uh, scandalous it was shocking but it was the message that God had for our redemption and Paul says I'm not ashamed of the cross he says, I glory in it because I recognize that something happened to me. Something changed within me. When I put my trust in Jesus, when Paul saw that light on the Damascus road and the light shined down upon him and he said, Jesus, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. Uh, Paul put his trust in Christ and he was never the same. And from that point on, the cross which he had despised he recognizes the source of his greatest blessing and the source of his glory. And so he says, I'll glory in the cross. I'll revel in the cross. I'll be excited about the cross. I'll name the cross 
regardless of whether people like it or not, I will declare the glory of the cross. And you see this over and over again in Paul's letters. He'll, he'll be talking about something and making an argument, and he'll get so excited about the gospel that he'll just kind of go off in another direction. And for six or eight verses, he'll be praising God and talking about what Jesus has done. He was so excited. He never got over what Jesus had done for him. And he said, I'm going to glory in the cross. He, he, he says to the Judaizers, you, you want to boast in people's flesh. You know that's the difference between somebody who's religious and somebody who truly has been changed by the blood of Jesus. If you're religious, you'll boast in your religious accomplishments. But if you understand the cross and you've been saved by the blood of Jesus, you understand that anything that God has done for you and anything you are, nothing that you can take credit for all of it comes from one place and that is the cross of Jesus Christ um, praise God for the cross rejoice in it um, uh, when I was born my dad was not yet a believer in Christ he passed out cigars he was excited he went around here you know he's all excited he was glorying in the fact that his child had come but I want to tell you something there's something greater even in the blessing of our children, and that is the glory of the cross. There's nothing like the cross. The cross changes us. The cross brings the redemption of God, the justification, the acquittal of sin. It, it brings a reconciliation between us and God because our sin was standing in the middle. The cross reconciles us. The cross sets us free. Glory in the cross. Everything you have, your birthright, as a Christian, comes about because of what Jesus did at the cross. What, a, what an amazing thing it is. Glory in the cross. Declare its glory. The importance of the cross, if it's important, we need to embrace its offense. Secondly, we need to declare its glory. Thirdly, we need to appropriate its power. We need to appropriate its power. Verse 14 the second part of verse 14 says, The world has been crucified to me through the cross, and I to the world. Something happened to me when I became a child of God. Now, I had been religious before. I had kind of gone through the motions and everything. And when I was religious, I did one thing at church and another thing at school, right? When I was religious, I, I knew how I was supposed to act, what was acceptable at church, because my parents had raised me up, and I also feared my, my parents, because I knew if I did the wrong thing, I'd be answering for that. Uh, but when I was at school, I acted a completely different way. There was nothing, there was no commitment. I was just kind of the chameleon. You know, I'd go to this group and act this way, and to this group and act this way. But when I truly gave my life to Christ, something drastically changed in my heart. And for the first time in my life, I didn't care what people thought about my commitment to Christ. And I began, I remember the, the first day after I, had, I was saved, I went to school. I was in fifth grade, okay? And I had me, I, I found, they had those, you remember those track racks they used to put in, in uh, churches, you know, back in the 70s and the 80s and um, well, we had one of those in our church, and so I'd gotten a, a bunch of those tracks, and 
and I went, and, and I was just so excited about my relationship with Christ. I went, and I was passing each one on the desk of, of my friends at school. Some of them took him, took and said thank you. Some of them looked at me like, you are so weird. You know, kind of give them you know, one of these looks. Like, what is this about? But I didn't care. Because something had happened in me. Something had changed in me. I was crucified to the world. No longer was, did I care in the same way about what the world thought. But now I had a new allegiance. And I was, I was concerned with the things of Christ. And so that fundamental change comes about. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. I, I experienced that. I was new inside. And it was very evident to me. Um, but I'm also crucified to the world in the sense that sin doesn't have to ha- have a hold upon my life. So I said appropriate its power. The power of the cross is that when a person is saved, there's a change. There's a, a new creation that takes place, a, 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 a separation from that old set of priorities. Yes, there's an old nature, but there's also a new nature that wants to please Christ. And so there's this change that takes place. But then there's also a power that God gives us. The Holy Spirit comes to live within us, and we can choose to submit ourselves to Him and trust Him and live in his strength and energy. Let him live his life through us so that we're set free from sin. Romans 6 says, consider yourself dead to sin and alive to Christ. Because in Christ, you are dead to sin. You are alive to the things of God. Accept it by faith and then let the Holy Spirit of God live it through you in your life. Appropriate the power of God. How do you do that? Well, first of all, you need to have your sins confessed. Keep those sins confessed. If you blow it, don't, don't wait till tomorrow morning at your quiet time to confess it. Immediately confess it to God in your, in your heart. Um, you can pray silently. I've done this so many times. Uh, when you're in the middle of, of a, a group of people, you don't have to say out loud, Lord Jesus, I've sinned when I fill in the blank. Uh, but you can do that silently. Um, th- what that does is that uh, enables you once again to have that fellowship with God. Uh, then choose to surrender yourself to follow the Lord. And choose to trust in the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. And ask Him to live through you. And that's how you appropriate the power of the cross in your life. Um, see, nobody had this power before Jesus came. Yes, there was some grace that was given to people under the Old Covenant to to help them live for God, but it, it wasn't the same thing that we have. Because after Jesus died and rose and ascended to heaven, he said, I'm going to send you the Comforter. And he sent the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, and at, at that moment, everything changed. There was a new power to live for God. How, where did that power came from? come from? It came through the cross. Without the cross, the Holy Spirit of God couldn't live in a sinful vessel like me or you either. The cross made it possible for God himself to come live within us and give us a new power to live for Christ. 
And so appropriate that power. You've got that power. Uh, say by faith, I'm dead to sin. I'm alive to Christ. And invite the Holy Spirit of God to live his life through you so that you can walk in his victory. Ask him to teach you how to do that. So the importance of the cross, since it's important, we need to embrace its offense, declare its glory, appropriate its power, fourthly receive its transformation. Verse 15 says, for both the circumcision and uncircumcision mean nothing. Instead, what matters is a new creation. You see, you can change the outward looks of something. The Bible says man looks at the outer appearance, but God looks at the heart. So circumcision or uncircumcision was just an outward thing. Now, it was a thing that God had commanded the Jewish people to do under the Old Covenant, but it was not something that applied to Gentiles. And it definitely wasn't necessary for salvation. Um, and so what Paul's saying here is what matters is to be changed on the inside. So many people think, well, if I go to church and if I do more good things than bad things, I'll be okay. Um, or if I'm respectable in the community, or if I do acts of charity, I'll be okay. Um, and they forget, or maybe they've never known, that that has nothing to do with salvation. The Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags. Nothing we could do, nothing we could be, no, no service we could ever perform would ever be enough because it's stained by our sin. So we have but one hope. And that hope is found at the cross. And when we come to the end of ourselves and we say, Lord, nothing in my hands I bring, only to your cross I cling. I have nothing to offer to you, God. I come to receive the free gift of your grace by faith. Then God extends his grace and he makes us a new creation in Christ. He changes us from the inside out. That's why Nicodemus had to have that discussion with Jesus Christ. Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he's wanting to ask him a question. And Jesus totally changes the subject and he says, uh, you must be born again. Nicodemus is kind of scratching his head. Well, what are you talking about? How can a man be born when he's old? He says, I'm talking about spiritual birth. What's born of flesh is flesh. What's born of the spirit is spirit. I'm talking about a spiritual birth, Nicodemus. All your religion, you may be a leader of Israel, you may be a churchman, you may be a pastor, but I want you to know, Nicodemus, that you'll split hell wide open unless you have a transformation from the inside out. You must be born again. And Nicodemus, we believe, actually did put his trust in Jesus Christ, and he was born again because we see him, uh, one of the gospel shares uh, after Jesus' death, Nicodemus is coming to help with Jesus in his burial and so forth. So um, Nicodemus needed an inner transformation. I want you to know something. I went to church up until the time I was 10 years old, and I was religious. I could sing nothing but the blood. I could... I could sing the old rugged cross. I knew all those songs by heart. I'd sung them since I was a kid, small, small kid. Um, I knew all the right answers to the, the questions that they would ask the kids in Sunday school. I knew all that stuff. I was very religious. I knew how to play a part. But my heart had not been changed. 
And when my heart was changed, it was like, all of a sudden, it meant something to me. I'd been going through the motions, I'd been playing the game, but when Jesus changed my heart, there was a relationship there, there was a joy there. There was something different in me that I had never experienced before, and I've never been the same. I was spiritually reborn. I'm going to tell you something, I still haven't gotten over it. I was watching worship songs, trying to prepare for next week this afternoon in my office, and the tears started flowing, and they were talking about what Jesus did for us. I want you to know something. There's nothing like a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's nothing like walking in the fullness of his spirit. But it only comes through a transformation. You need to receive the transformation that can only come through the cross. I want to tell you something. Islam couldn't have changed my heart. Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness couldn't have changed my heart. Hinduism couldn't have changed my heart. Buddhism couldn't have changed my heart. There's only one place to find heart change, and that's at the cross. Receive the transformation by faith in Jesus Christ. John Wesley was a, a pastor. He was, in, he was in a group called the Holiness Club. And in his college, he was studying to be a pastor. And he and several others uh, were meeting and, uh, you know, trying to divorce themselves from any worldly pursuit and being real strict. And then he went over and actually was a missionary in America. And... Um, he just, he, he utterly failed in his mission, and he, he was disillusioned, and he, was, he finally went and decided to go back to England. And he's on a ship, and he comes across uh, some, uh, I believe it's Moravians, I believe is what, what they, I may, be, I may be getting that wrong. Anyway, so, so one of you will correct me afterwards, I'm sure. But um, anyway, this group of, of Christians that were just in love with the Lord, and he said, uh, one of them was reading the preface to Martin Luther's commentary on Romans. Now, that may not sound very exciting to you, but for the first time in John Wesley's life, he began to understand what salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone was. And he said, my heart was strangely enlightened. Something changed inside as he believed in the gospel. And he went from being a very religious, very devout man with no power upon his life to being one of the world's most powerful evangelists in history. Why? Because he was transformed. Paul said this, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul was transformed by the cross, and that transformation continued throughout his walk with God as the Lord lived within him. For the importance of the cross, since it's important, we need to embrace its offense, declare its glory, appropriate its power, receive its transformation, and finally uphold its standard. Uphold its standard. Paul says in verse 16, may peace come to all who follow this standard. What is that standard? Salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. There's a standard we've got to uphold. 
of God's people. And it's not the Baptist faith and message as much as I love being a Baptist. It's the message of the cross. The standard of Christianity is salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. There is no other place to find forgiveness. There's no other place to be changed. There's no other place to be restored and to be set free and to be reconciled, to be justified. There's no other place but the cross. Uphold the standard. You know, there's some things worth standing on. You know, um, years ago when the Southern Baptist Convention, we had a professor in one of our seminaries who was teaching that the first 11 chapters of Genesis weren't true. And he was, he was uh, not the only one that was doing things like that. And a judge named Paul Pressler came to see Adrian Rogers, and he came to Adrian Rogers and said, look, this is the problem we're seeing in our convention, that our, our seminaries are no longer teaching that the Word of God is true. What are we going to do about it? You know, and so they had a discussion about this, and um, Adrian Rogers asked, is this a hill on which to die? And he said, yes. And they, they began uh, for the first, it's actually a very, a very uh, historical thing. For the first time in history, a denomination that was drifting left, away from the Word of God, turned around and began to come back toward the Word of God and believe. And I, I can say today, uh, we're not perfect as Baptists, but I'll tell you one thing. In our seminaries today, they're preaching that the Word of God is true. Why? Because somebody upheld the standard. I want to tell you something. As long as I breathe, I'm going to uphold the standard of the cross. The cross is important. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and as he thought about the cup of God's wrath, and he thought about what was going to happen when for the first time in eternity past, he was going to be separated from his father at the cross. And the wrath of a holy God for all the sin of all humanity, for all time, was going to be poured out upon him. And Jesus began to agonize. And he began to say, as he sweat great sweat drops of blood, Father, let this cup pass from me, but not what I will, but what you will. Three times. Let this cup pass from me. Let this cup pass from me. Let this cup pass. He's agonizing. But it was the Father's will that Jesus should die. And there was no other way for you and I could find forgiveness. How important is the cross? It's important enough for the Son of God to come take up residence in a human body to be born of a virgin girl named Mary to live a life and suffer the things that you and I suffer and ultimately go to a cross to pay the price for our sin. It's that important that God sent his son to die. If there's any other way that humanity could be saved, why would God send Jesus? It's that important. Finally, Jesus, he finds that peace in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then he's in perfect peace throughout all the trials and everything. And 
He says, no one lays, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down willingly. That's how important the cross is. Jesus said, the physical suffering, the separation from my father, the wrath of God, the justice of God. I, I don't even think, you and I, as we look at what ha was happening at the time when the cross took place, we may get a little bit of a picture of it because the ground shook and the sky turned dark and the rocks were ripped and the people came to life and came out of the tombs when Jesus said it is finished and he died. Something dramatically powerful was happening at the cross and only our Lord Jesus, I think, fully understands what took place in that moment. But it was so important that it changed the course of history. I want to tell you something. We've been talking about Adam and Eve in the garden. Did you know what happened at the cross? Turn that back. The failure in the garden, the sin of Adam that came on the human race, the pain and the heartache and the death that came through Adam were overcome at the cross. And in that moment, men through a simple act of repentance and faith in Jesus could find eternal life could find a relationship with God and can I tell you something we've only gotten a taste of it the best is yet to come what Jesus did at the cross one day is going to be revealed openly when Jesus comes back and you and I will be raptured and then ultimately Jesus is going to come down and set up his kingdom here uh, I believe for a thousand years and um He's going to renovate this earth. And it's going to be unlike anything we've experienced in history. Then ultimately this earth is going to burn with a fervent heat. And there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem set up. Uh, that is going to be unlike anything we've ever known. And you and I will be able to have unhindered access to God. We'll be able to have a life with no sin, no heartache, no pain, no suffering, no death. It all changed at the cross. Without the cross, there'd be none of this to look forward to. Everything we have and everything we are is defined by what Jesus did at the cross. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, How, how precious is the cross. Thank God for the cross. Praise God for the cross. Hold to the cross. Cling to the cross. It's your hope. It's your glory. It's your salvation. It's your spiritual power. Everything is found at the cross. Don't let go. Put your trust in him. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the message of the cross. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the price you paid, for the stripes upon your back, for the nails in your hands and feet, and for the crown of thorns and the, the spear in your side. Thank you for bearing our wrath, our justice, and everything we deserve.